You are listening to Checkered Past and Present, hosted by Jonathan Booth and Brett Lofton. This podcast is about the history and the present day of NASCAR. Now for your host, Jonathan and Brett, take it away. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This week me and Brett are going to look back at Atlanta and we may touch on the 500 too since we didn't do an episode last week with our schedules being so crazy. But, uh, Brett, what do you think of the new season so far after the two events and two super speedways at that? Well, first off, I want to say this. Um, for those who don't know, I've been traveling around the country for work and whatnot. I was I was in Daytona the Saturday of the 500, right? I'm now currently in Atlanta two days after they run Atlanta. So I'm just, I'm just missing these races. I, I'm I first off I'm I'm very upset about that, right? Um but uh, I have still got to watch both races, although not in person. Um and I've been extremely pleased uh really with the product we've seen on Friday and late Monday night at the at Daytona with the Xfinity race and with the truck race, I I thought, you know, you had some some bad sportsmanship, perhaps, but it was still good racing. The cup race was not that good at Daytona for the majority of it, and then you had the big wreck at the end. And, yeah, I mean, I, I just felt like it's a product of super speedway racing now. Guys are throwing bad blocks. Guys are getting mad at guys throwing bad blocks, and they would have done the same thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, the 500 has just gotten to be a teetotal, you know, it, it's – it's made out to be the Super Bowl of the sport, but it's just not – it's not what it used to be. And everybody was like, well, Atlanta's going to be the same way, and it just wasn't. I mean, it was a phenomenal race. The cup race was. I mean, the Xfinity race was not. It was play – and the truck race was the same thing. Like, it was play follow the leader pretty much. Uh, I was really upset watching that truck race Saturday when you had Corey Heim and uh, Ty Majeski, um and uh, I forgot who was driving a 17 truck on Saturday in that, that truck race, but Roger. you had those three. Roger. No, no, Roger drives a 71. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I, I forget who was driving a 7, but it was another Tricon truck with Corey, and they just couldn't pull out and pass Kyle, like, coming to the checkered, and they kind of, like, broke up the momentum, and um, I was disappointing. And then, you know, Jesse Love was a class of the field, and nobody really made an attempt to pass him in Xfinity race, and then, Obviously, you had that crap show, what happened with everybody running out of gas, and then Austin Hill won another one. But then Atlanta was just the totally opposite of what those two those two races were. Um, and, I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, you, you had four-wide racing. You obviously have the finish that we'll touch on. Like, I, I just think that it's funny that, in, in my opinion, the first two weeks, you know, it's been completely opposite. Like, the Xfinity and the truck races were snoozers at Atlanta, but the cup race was one of the greatest we've ever seen really. And then in Daytona, I felt like the cup race was a snoozer and a wreck fest. And the other two were pretty, pretty decent product. So that's my opinion through the first two races thus far. And I know we'll touch on Atlanta uh, a little bit more in depthly as we go on here. And I tend to agree with you. Last week, the truck race and the Xfinity race was better in Daytona. But if you go back and listen to this podcast over the last year, I mean, you've talked about it. I've been a little judgmental of the super speedway package for the next gen cars anyway we spent over half the race running half throttle trying to save fuel in the 500 instead of racing that right there was part of the problem from the get-go and they just have too much grip 
at Daytona now compared to what they used to. That's what made yesterday's race the best super speedway type race in the next gen era, in my opinion, compared to Daytona last week, is that Atlanta is like Daytona used to be 2010 and previous. Handling matters. Guys so were wrecking. And even though the uh, draft is still in ca- uh the draft still is huge, obviously, but you saw guys like Kyle Larson, Michael McDowell, Todd Gillen, Brad Keselowski, Logano after, and we'll get on him in a little bit, but after his penalty, could drive through the field at Atlanta. It reminded you of seeing Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Tony Stewart, all them guys, and Brad Keselowski in the old days at Daytona and Talladega, the good ones could move up through the field, and you saw that yesterday. That's what made that race so good. That is probably the best race in the next-gen era. It definitely is the best on a super speedway. I I would tend to say I, I got one A one B because uh, I don't want to have recency bias, but that twenty twenty three, the first Kansas race last year, when Ross and Noah got into it, mm-hmm. um, that was a really good race too. And I know you had the storylines of after it, obviously when Ross punched Noah in the face, but like that race was a really good race. Those are those have been my personal two favorites. I'm I'm with you though. I, I think. I don't think you could go wrong there. I think those have been the two favorites. Only other thing I want to say before we go into the cup race and go into it more in-depthly is I was extremely impressed, and I have been the first two weeks with SVG, Shane Van Gisbergen, um, in Xfinity Series. There was a lot of question marks drawn, uh, even by myself, on this podcast last year after he went to Chicago. It's like, if he wants to make the full-time transition, how can he run on an oval? And, man, I mean, he was sat on a pole for a while before Jesse Love took him off at Daytona. And then last week, man, I mean, kind of started towards the back a little bit at Atlanta. And then he was able to – he talked about driving through the pack. He drove through the pack. And then he still got lucky with all the guys that ran out of fuel at the end. But he was able to save enough and ended up finishing in third. So, um, through two weeks, man, I, I've been extremely, extremely impressed with him. I think that he's the real deal. I know he's a bit of an older guy, but I think he's got a long – NASCAR Cup Series future ahead of him and uh, Corey Heim, dude. I've told you this. I've said this on this podcast. He's one of the brightest young prospects we've seen in the history of the sport. It's a shame he's not running Xfinity next year, but I don't care. He should pull a Zane Smith. He should be running in the Cup in 2025. And hopefully it's for the Wood Brothers in that 21 car. If I had a say in it, I don't. But unfortunately, um, he deserves a Cup ride in 2025. So those have been my two things that I wanted to add on before we go into Cup race. Been very impressed. Well, I I love Corey. I'm, I mean, he's finished second and third. I wouldn't expect anything less from him for two weeks. Um, and he's there's no, nobody even in his same league in the Trek Series. Ben Rhodes, whoever you want to throw out there, nobody can even compete with him except for Kyle Busch on Saturday. And obviously, we know Kyle Busch. But SVG been a big surprise to me in a pleasant way. Really have enjoyed watching him through two weeks as well. Yeah, SG, SVG has definitely been impressive. He's taken that saying to heart. You to learn, you have to finish, and he's just being smart and patient. And he's getting good finishes out of it, and learning. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get to the non drafting track starting this week at Vegas. And Corey Hine, like you said, is probably out of all the after all the guys moved up to either the Cup or Xfinity Series, is the most impressive driver in the truck series right now. But I will say this about Jesse Love that jerker tore up the Arthur Series last year. 
And if it wasn't for some fuel issues, he'd be sitting here with a win. He very easily could have won Daytona too. He should have two wins. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. That, I didn't bring up Jesse because I, I, I've yeah. been texting. I've been texting you. You know this. I texted you about him all weekend. I'm like, this guy's for real. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 19 years old. He qualified on the pole at these first two tracks. You're like, well, you just got to hold it wide open. Well, it's no coincidence that he qualified on the pole for the first two races. It's no coincidence that Joey and Michael got on the front row for the first two races either. Like, it takes some kind of skill. And, yes, for all those out there, Joey had the modified glove, could have played a role in it. But, you know, for the sake of the argument, he still was on the front row both weeks. So, um, Well, one thing that proves he did it one-handed. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, that's impressive in itself, right? Like yeah. Wide open at 180 with one hand. Um, but, yeah, Jesse's, Jesse's – uh, Jesse's good. I know we don't do race pictures for Xfinity. Um, may may not be something we start. He will win this week. He will he he will win this week. That's that's my big thing. He is going to win the race in Las Vegas. RCR will go three for three. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw this out here. If RCR lets Austin Dillon keep running mediocre in the Cup Series instead of moving him to the Cup Series, big mistake. Big big mistake. They need to get Austin out of the car and. If he wants to race, let him run an Xfinity Series car full time. They should have. They should have done that last Wednesday. I, 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 nothing happened last Wednesday. They just should have done it then. I mean, I don't know. You should have. I mean, I, I don't know. You got to tell Austin at some point. Hey, man, like you either got to go sit up in an office with Grandpa and some administrative stuff, or you got to get a full time third team because you you can't keep that boy in the Xfinity Series for longer than next year. Like I get it if he goes out and. Say he wins three or four races this year, but he shows some lulls of inconsistency. Then maybe you want to see him in the two car in Xfinity again next year. But if he goes out this year and he continues what he's doing, he's showing speed every week, and the only thing derailing him is Rex or running out of gas. I don't see a reason why you wouldn't bring him up next year. That's just my opinion. Well, well somebody will take a chance. Look at William Byron. I know you're not his biggest fan. Duke but he took the Xfinity Series and Truck Series by storm. Rick Hendrick went ahead and brought him up, knowing that it was probably too soon technically for the Cup Series. But he was patient, and look at what you're seeing him do now. Yeah. Somebody is going to do that with Jesse Love, and RCR better make sure it's them. That's all you, That's all that needs to be said about that. I mean, if they'd let him leave, it'll be the, one of the biggest mistakes RCR has ever made. If Ford or, or excuse me, not Ford, if Ford could get one of them, that'd be great. But if Chevy or Toyota lets either Heim or Jesse Love leave, they'll uh they'll hear about that one for a while, a, a while, a long, uh, long time. Uh, they'll both be getting beat by him. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, and you know he's in a Chevrolet camp, and I'm just gonna throw this out here. I brought up Rick, Alex Bowman needs to prove mm. something this year. Mm. I'm just mm. saying. I ain't got too much more to say about him. Mm, that's all I got. Mm. But, yeah, Sunday. I, it was uh, – let's get into that a little bit. I was – I mean, first off, we usually talk about the entirety of the race. But, it, you know, some of the moves we've seen, we'll, we'll get into all that stuff. The finish, man. I mean, that's one of the more viral moments we've had that NASCAR's had in, since we've, you know, had social media and whatnot. I mean, you saw the comparisons with the Cars movie, the original Cars movie, and – all that stuff. I mean, first off, it was impressive in the fact that those three guys didn't wreck. 
Um, I also got to give props to Ryan Blaney and Torres because they both could have thrown a dirty block down the backstretch, um, and they didn't. And Kyle Busch being the professional he is, he's always talking about racemanship and how these younger guys don't know how to have racemanship on the track and have, you know, racecraft and all that stuff. And he, to his credit, raced them both clean. And I thought that was great for the sport. I thought that was better than any other, you know, any other marketing strategy you could use is something that happens organically like a finish like that, man. That was, that was awesome. That was, that was awesome. Yes, it was. It's the first time I can remember a race being similar to that since probably the 2011 spring race at Talladega when we was doing the two-car yep. tandem draft, and they had, like, the front eight right there at the line at the same time. I mean, it was incredible. And it, that is the first race that I can remember watching, Brett, to where I had to wait for the replays or for NASCAR to tell us who won. Because I, I could, wa- could not tell. I was watching on my phone, and they showed the scoring so quickly that Daniel had won. And I'm like, there's just no way. <laughs> I was just like, there's, there's no way they were able to tell that quickly. But, hey, you got to give credit to the those scoring loops, man. I never questioned them again. I mean, to have that – I mean, because they passed the start-finish line, and within about three or four seconds, they had flashed on the scoreboard. Not even that long, about two seconds. They flashed on the, the scoreboard on there that Daniel won the race. Um, I mean, that was, that was wonderful stuff. You got to give NASCAR credit on that. Well, one thing I'll give NASCAR credit for, too, it was so close, they wasn't sure if they needed to trust that technology because they still had it under review for a good minute or two. Right. Checking a couple of videos. But if I would have had to have picked, I would have said Blaney would have won it. That's what I thought. When it crossed the line. But, I mean, it was so close. Incredible. Did you see that? Speaking of this, and we'll get off the finish and talk about some more storylines from the race. Did you see that? Um forgot what laugh of the race they said it was. It was some midway point. I think it was early in stage three. They actually came across the line and the split was at zeros. Like all like three like point zero zero zero. Yeah, I saw that. It's like and and I loved uh, I forgot who posed the question. I don't know if it was Brett Griffin or Freddie Kraft. It was a spotter posed the question to Bob Pockers on Twitter, what would happen if that was a finish of a race? I didn't see if Bob even responded to it, but I thought that was interesting. I, I read that if they did it like some other um, series do it, it would be whoever started far, far, farther back. So I found that interesting. Yeah, I never thought we would have to worry about that, but we got real close <laughs> to having to worry about that. Yeah, we did. Real close. And, you know, other than just the finish, though, like we talked about earlier, the racing was incredible all day. It got off to a little bit of an ugly start on lap two with Todd Gillen. I think Todd Gillen made a mistake. I think he was trying to be a good teammate and let McDowell in. And that went up yeah. causing a big fiasco at the start and took out and made uh, Harrison Burton's season continue to go off to a bad start. Austin Dillon was involved in it. Alex Bowman, your second place finisher in the 500, was in it. Several other cars, and Bubba Wallace was in it. He still rebounded to have a real good, strong finish, though. So, yeah, Bubba back to back uh, top five to start the year, man. Yep, he's also a real good start. He's always been really good at them kind of tracks, and Toyota has been strong the last few years on mile and a half. So he might go three for three for top fives this coming week, but we'll just have to wait and see on that. 
and then you had then it was really clean racing for a long time. They was they proved why they're the best drivers in the world, in my opinion, for a long stretch of that race. And they went four wide at a track that has three lanes and didn't wreck. Yeah, they did wreck though <laughs> when when Chase Briscoe made that one move. Um, Chase was a bit erratic all day though. I think you can kind of tell he's driving a bit anxious because he made a move there midway through stage one where he made it three wide going into turn one, coming out of the dog leg. And uh, I was like, why are you doing that, Chase? So I think it's funny. You can kind of start to see the guys, man, hadn't ran well in a while. They hadn't won in a while, starting to make some very aggressive moves. Like I thought on that last restart, and this is no offense to Daniel Suarez, but when you're up there running with the defending champ and Kyle Busch, who's arguably one of the greatest to ever get in a stock car, just like there's no way he wins this race. And he held his own, dude. And I think you can say that for a lot of guys that got up front and ran. You know, I've given Austin Sendrick a, uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of crap, for lack of a better word. And he ran really, really well. I mean, he finished fourth. I mean, for goodness sake, I know we'll get to it. But, I mean, he's, he's third in points right now through two weeks. So, um, a lot of guys, man, that, that, you know, perhaps have not ran well in the past, small sample size, I'll bet, but have ran well through the first two weeks and, on the opposite end, I mean, you look at Joey and Brad, as the two biggest examples that stick out in my mind because, you know, they're two of my favorites. I mean, they have been two of the best cars. I, I really think Joey Legano had the best car both weeks. I really do. Arguably, I, I know for a fact he did at Daytona. I think you can make the argument he did at um, Atlanta, but front row was really, really good as well. And, I mean, he's sitting, what, 31st in points right now. So, I think that it's also – it has been a product – of, of super speedway racing as well through two races on that end of it. But, um, you know, you try to see people say, like, what happens behind you determines who wins it. With Daniel, you got to give him credit, dude. I mean, he went wheel to wheel with two of the best stock car racers in the world and was able to beat them, um, albeit by just the slimmest margin that you possibly could have by. But that was, that was quite the driving. And like you said, from a lot of guys, it seems like they're starting to really step it up to start the year. Yes, and – you know, you bring up the points. I'm trying not to look too close into that just because it has been super speedway racing. But the one thing I will say, and I touched on it earlier, the ones that did good this weekend, you still got to you got to have a real good handling car to do good in Atlanta. I mean, they talk. I mean, look at Brad. His car, he was good, but he wasn't great. He just snapped loose because he had a little bit of a handling issue. You got to have some handling built into these cars. So it, it, the ones that ran really good in Atlanta was more impressive than Daytona to me. But you got you brought up Joey and Brad, obviously, both of them ran a hole. But you've got to look. I think it'd be better to judge them after the next two weeks because you're going to have some of these guys fade back once you get to Vegas and Phoenix. In my opinion, more than likely, and you're going to see the standings flip flop a lot. But what you cannot have if you're Joey Logano and Brad, and even Chris Busher, and some of these other guys that haven't had the best start they'd want, you can't afford to have no bad luck like mechanical failures the next couple of weeks because then you're looking at a hole that you will have a hard time to recover from. And you could potentially get into a position where you are in a must-win situation even think about making the playoffs. So they've got to come in, Logano and Brad and these other guys. You might, you know, you want to win, but you also in the back of your head – may have to play it safe and just make sure you finish on a late restart if you're in contention come Sunday. 
just for the points. Yeah, Chris is uh, Chris is fifteenth in points. Obviously, some other notable guys that would be outside of the playoffs again. Two weeks right now, so don't take it too serious. But Benny Hamlin nineteenth in points. Um, Tyler Reddick twenty fourth in points. Um, Josh Berry twenty ninth. Um, Joey's thirty first. Brad Keselowski's thirty fourth. Um, and I actually want to give you a really big congratulations. And to all the listeners out there, and even to myself, um, I just want to give you, like I said, especially, you know, just, just everyone out there, congratulations. Um, you have more points than Noah Gragson through two races. So, um, you may be thinking, well, we haven't gotten a race car, Brett. We have zero points. And you'd be correct. Noah Gragson has negative six after the penalties handed down to uh, Stuart Haas after this week. So, Can I say something about that? Congratulations, Mr. Jonathan. Uh, I appreciate it. Congratulations to you, too. Thank you. And this is what I find funny about this situation. Why in the world does Stuart Haas get, still getting caught cheating? This is like the third time in the last yep. year and a half, and they are run pathetic. How can you cheat and be so bad? I don't Ellie, know. You know, we brought up the Hendrick and Logano situation. Logano was on the outside of the front row on the pole the week before when he was allegedly doing it. Right. Hendrick was – flying and whipping everybody's butt last year when the Louver situation happened. We're talking about in the Chase Briscoe situation last year, Charlotte, he finished like 20th, like two laps down. Yeah. I mean, what are y'all doing? Yeah. The last time that they cheated and actually done something was the Racegate scandal at uh, the Roval in 22 that allowed Briscoe to get to the round of eight. That is the only time that they've cheated out of like these three or four different scandals where it actually benefited them and, like, actually ended up making a difference. Um, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, like you said, at least Joey, he's, you know, kind <laughs> on the front row both weeks because he's, he could have been doing it at Daytona, too. I mean, he really knows, but I don't know, dude. That's – I hate it for SHR. We all know last episode, I, I made the, the bold prediction that uh, – that I think they're going to go to Chevrolet this year. I still kind of stick by that. What I think is even funnier, though, let's, let's talk about this. Talk about sponsorships and whatnot. Touched on the race, touched on the standings. I find it interesting. You know, Mobile One makes this big deal about, you know, they're going to be with Toyota this year. You know, they're sponsoring, like, the entire field. <laughs> it Coda, it seems like. And then they put Josh Berry's paint scheme on social media this week, he's running a mobile one car. Like, I mean, do you have – am I the only one that finds that interesting? I'm sure other people out there wondering the same thing. I mean, I, you know. Well, they're just copying Bass Pro's business strategy. Yeah. Yeah. But Bass Pro's not affiliated with, like, JGR. and J- Like, I mean, Bubba, Bubba's going to run a mobile one car at some point. Tyler Reddick's going to run a mobile one car at some point. C. Bale's going to run one. Uh, who else? John Hunter. Mm-hmm. Mobile One's big on him. I don't know about Eric Jones, but like a bunch of people in the Toyota camp are running Mobile One at some point this year. And I mean, you had to think at some point though, too. I got to think about this the other day in a larger perspective here. I pose this question to you, and we hadn't talked about this on air or off air. It seems to me like guys are slimmer on sponsorships to start the year. Like for, for Josh, they announced that Sonny D's going to be with him for. X amount of many races. I forgot, but I don't even think it was double-digit races. 
And then Harrison's what he ran on Sunday is only supposed to be with him for like three races this year because that's actually a local South Carolina store. Shout out South Carolina. But it's actually a store. Yeah, like three of them in South Carolina. So I don't I don't understand why we've been so slim on announcements. And if that's one of these deals to where more will get announced throughout the year, because you usually have your slate before you ever get in the car. Maybe they have them. They haven't announced them yet. I, I found, I, I've been finding that interesting. Yeah, that's just one of them continuations of what we've been seeing with everybody having so many different sponsors. I mean, this week, Chase Elliott's going to have his third sponsor in three races. Yeah. And you're talking about the most popular driver in the sport. And William Byron is going to have it, even though Raptor's part of Exalta, it's technically going to be the third sponsor in as many races. It's crazy what you see. There ain't no picking out one shirt and being able to go to a race all year long and thinking you're going to match your driver's car when you get there. Hey, man, I had to buy a Hunt Brothers t-shirt, you know? Hey, I mean, look at me, you know? Who would ever thought I was wearing Hunt Brothers stuff 10 years ago? So. Yeah, it makes me not like their pizza as much. I don't want to eat pizza. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. I've never had a piece of Hunt Brothers pizza in my life. Not knowingly, anyway. It is really good. But I don't like their new driver. Hey man, no offense, neither does NASCAR. Apparently, you know they just <laughs> find them ten grand. But that makes up another point. You talk about, you know, uh, kind of how how the season went this far. We talked about Jesse Love, kind of with the history of you know, there's never been an Xfinity driver to set on a pole back to back weeks to start his career right in his first two races. Um, he's also, I think, the youngest Xfinity driver to sit. No. The youngest affinity driver to lead 150 plus laps in a race since Kyle Busch did it um, what? at 19 years old. So that's well, good company to be in, right? No doubt. He well, if he wouldn't run out of fuel, he would have led it from green to checkers. Yeah, just about right. Yeah, I mean, but that's another crazy, another big storyline across all three series, and it's pains me to say it, but I feel like it's worth noting. It's been the first time in the history of the sport. Where through the first two weekends, a single manufacturer has swept all three series, that being Chevrolet. I'm loving it. It's just the wrong Chevrolet on Sundays. That hurt. That hurt for me to say it. Because I don't know if you've seen that or not. I'm sure you had. That mm-hmm. hurt me to say that. That hurt. Well, well, it goes back to Phoenix. For the Cubs No, series. no. It does not the weekend though, because Cole. Yeah, I saw somebody series, trying right. to say that the other day. Like it started at Phoenix. Like no, it didn't. Cole Custer won the Xfinity race, and but but even so, even so, right? Chevrolet went two for three in the races that weekend. Ford went three for three for the championship with Rhodes, Custer, and Blaney. So he had the race win. Ford went. Ford swept the series in championship last year. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now we're being the where we disagree. Yeah. Now I'm just no in, now points. I'm just in my feelings because <laughs> I've seen a both times. To be fair, though, I mean, I do think Jesse loves an exceptional talent. And I'm pulling for him. I'm also a big Austin Hill guy. I mean, he had on Georgia Bulldog racing shoes. Like, how could you not pull for him Saturday? You know. And you know, I we know brought how- up the whole Cup Series thing earlier. I don't know he should be in the Cup Series now. He, ain't, I think, long term Jesse's got the bigger upside. But Austin's proven he deserves to be in the Cup Series. Did you see? I don't know if you watched any of it. Um, I'd encourage you to if you had. Did you watch when he was on the Dell Jr. download last year? Austin Hill? Yeah. Uh, I guess I didn't. I don't remember it. 
he kind of went in depth and talked about um, – I forgot if he said who it was or not, but he had an opportunity to go cup racing and kind of like turned it down. He said he likes spending time with his family on Sundays and how he doesn't really want to leave RCR because they gave him his first really, really big break. Because um, you just kind of feel like, man – I mean, at least I feel this way. And I, and I hate to keep harping on Jesse and Austin so much, but it's just been really impressive what they've done the first two weeks if you follow the Xfinity series. I feel like, and I'm sure you do too, whenever Grandpa tells Austin he's going to stop funding his racing career, and whenever Kyle's like, yeah, I'm done with this, you got to think that they're not going to miss a beat if they moved up, hypothetically speaking, Jesse and Austin to the three and the eight cars. Yeah, I would agree with that. But one thing, I think one of them's going to be waiting a long time if they're waiting on Kyle, though, because I don't think he's leaving anytime soon. Yeah, I think I, I saw somebody speculated. Hey, we don't know this to be certain, but he's probably on a second of a third-year contract. So, um, and he's how old? He's, he's not even 40 yet. So No, I don't think he's going anywhere yet. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mind it. I, I'd love to see him win the 500. I know I was adamant thinking he was going to win the 500. He had a really good car. He was up front in contention, and then he got taken out there at the end. So, Yeah, him. I'd love him and to see him and Brad both win it. I just want to see Brad win a, win a race, man, at this yeah. point. I mean, geez, dude. He had not won one since, uh, what, it's almost been three years now, huh? Yep, Talladega 2021. I was there. Was that the spring race, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, it's almost been three years. Yeah, it's uh, before it's, the announcement. That he was leaving. Yeah, that's um, that's unreal, dude. That is unreal. I mean, he's he's ran well. He's been there. It's just been it's been unreal. But probably have a chance this weekend, right? I, I think moving to looking at Phoenix, uh, Rouse has ran really really well there in the past. Brett. Or Las Vegas, excuse me. Hey, I was hoping you'd correct me. <laughs> Phoenix is next week. <laughs> I, I was seeing if you're listening or not. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Roush has had a really good mile-and-a-half package. Ford has in general, but so has everybody else. It seems like Toyota's been really strong on these mile-and-a-halves. Um, Joey's always been good in Vegas. So, uh, William Byron, he had one of his uh, 17 lucky victories there last year. So, um, <laughs> geez, that dude seems luckier than anybody. I know, but he can't drive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not – I'm not supposed to let my body seep through like that, but he did win there last year. But I'm really looking forward to Sunday at Vegas and then the West Coast swing that will uh, end up in Phoenix the next week. So, Do we call it a swing still? Yeah, because I guess it's only two races and then you're back you're back on the East in Bristol. And then you go to Texas and then back on the East to Richmond. March is kind of all over the place, man. Yeah, it is. Now I'm still. It just I haven't been thinking about this lately, but I'm mad right now about Auto Club because we ain't out there for three weeks. Yeah, I know, right? I think uh, I don't know. I am excited at the potential of what the repave will do for that place, though. And, and again, I know what you're going to say. And a lot of other people going to say, "Wasn't nothing wrong with it." I, I I know that, but I mean, still have a shorter track back on the schedule, kind of mix something in that'll be different. I think that'll be interesting, this is my opinion. I hope it is, but that tra- I love that track. But anyway, no sense in – we got all season to fuss on here. And we need to <laughs> wait for something else. 
But uh, looking at Las Vegas, are you ready to give some picks? Yeah, I don't. I guess I got to go first. I don't. My, we, my all, pick, we both sucked at Daytona. Let's just to remind everybody we wasn't even close. To be fair, right? <laughs> to be fair, I'm gonna look at the. I picked uh, who did I pick? Brad. Uh, I picked Brad to win it, and he was in contention until Bowman happened. Yeah, I had what Brad, Bubba, and um, and Kyle. I picked Kyle to win the race. Bubba finished fifth. And, I mean, to be fair to me, uh, Brad and KB ran up front all day until the wreck happened, too. So, you know, I was uh, – I, I didn't do bad, I felt like. I mean, you can never predict those wrecks to happen. No. So, um, yeah, man, Vegas is going to be interesting. I, I, I don't really know. I, I really don't. Um I guess, you know, I don't know. For Ford, I got to feel like it's Joey. I, I don't know. I just I, – I really I, – I, I think he's going to win the whole race this weekend. Um, I kind of compared it to Jesse's love situation. I was talking to one of my buddies the other day with the fact that they both qualified, ran so well in these races. Something bit him at some point in the race. Um, so – you know, Joey had to overcome a lot. It was self-inflicted Sunday, but he'd overcome a lot just get himself into contention. So, I think he's going to win the whole thing. But if he doesn't win Chevrolet and, and Toyota, I don't know. That's really what I was beating my brains in about. I mean, Toyota, I guess I'm going to stick with the same kind of theory here of Denny, right? Denny is, you know, he's not ran well to his standards, at least for the first couple of weeks. He's been fast. Um, so, I'll pick him for Toyota. And then Chevrolet-wise, I mean, it's a guy who always runs well here. He won a race last year. It's your guy, Kyle Larson. I mean, I just feel like you can go wrong with him here. Um, it seems like every time they come here, he's in he's in contention. Uh, so, I, I, I'm going to pick it. A- any mile and a half at this point. I mean, Kyle Larson's going to be top five car on the track. So, I don't know. I, I might just lock the mile and a half pick in Chevrolet with Kyle Larson all year. I mean, I just, <laughs> I don't know. That, those are my three picks. Joey winning the whole thing. Well, one thing I'm really interested for, we're going to get our first real test of the new Ford and Toyota front ends to see where they're at right now. Are they possibly going to be a little ahead of Chevrolet? Are they going to be a little behind until they get used to working on these cars and get them set up? That's one thing I'm really curious to see. My Ford pick is going to be Joey. I'm not picking him to win the race, but he is stout there. In the spring race, he seems to struggle in the fall race at Vegas, but he's always in contention in the spring race. I don't know. And that race is usually sponsored by Pennzoil, so maybe that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, then Toyota, I'm going Bale, who finished second to Larson mm-hmm. in the playoff race. Was running him down, too, now. Uh, had run him down another lap, Larson would have been in trouble. Uh, and then Chevrolet... I'm going to pick my guy, Larson. We're both being a little biased this week, I guess. But I, uh, I, I don't think I'm being biased. Joey always runs real at Vegas. Kyle Larson won the last time they were here. I don't I, – I mean – And he finished second in the spring race. Right, and then he almost got killed in the 22 fall race. So, I mean, yeah. he was running top ten that day. So, it's like <laughs> – I don't I don't know. I just think 
I mean, he, he runs so well at Vegas. I, I don't think that's being biased at all. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I know his teammate won last year, but like I said, and I hate to be that way to Willie B. I really, I really do because the dude can drive. But well, he, he's looked into so many wins. Am I wrong? Here's As a Larson fan, Larson was leading that race by a second half and the caution came out with four to go. And that cost him the race with his strategy. So, yeah, I mean, Larson was four laps from sweeping Vegas. So I agree with you a little bit on that one, <laughs> for sure. And then, it, well, last year in Darlington, the race where Chastain and Larson took each other out, he was yep. the last man standing after that and won that race. And then when we were at Phoenix last year in the spring, Kevin Harvick dominated that race, late race caution. Same exact thing as the – Boom. Same exact thing as Vegas. We were at Texas last year. Late race caution. Boom. Like, <laughs> I mean, and again, it's it's no disrespect to William. First off, you have to be good enough to put yourself in those positions to be there to be able to win, mm-hmm. right? Secondly, it just – it never seems like he's the guy with the dominant car that wins the race. Kind of like, you know, it, it's like for me, Martin Truex Jr. is the complete opposite of that. Like, if MTJ wins a race, he dominated the race. Oh, no doubt. If he wins the race, you know he's got a chance to win by lap 10 because he'll have a three-second lead. When he wins, it's one. It's the most boring races in NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That New Hampshire race last year, and I won't never – that 600 a few years ago where he led all but eight laps. Oh, my Lord. It was, I, I don't even think <laughs> I watched the race. I think I turned it off at the end of stage three because they run four of them at 600. I was like, there's yeah. no point to even watch this. Like, yeah. even if they get a late race caution, you couldn't pass. It's like, mm-hmm. what's the point of watching this? So, Cole Pine had that thing hooked up that night. Yeah, I can't, I can't stand the dude. He, you know, he used to talk bad about Joey in the media. So, I do not like Cole Pern at all. But he is one heck of a crew chief. One oh. heck of a crew chief, man. No doubt. But uh, I think we've got some good solid picks for the weekend. Is there anything else you feel like we need to touch on before we uh, call it a show? No, nah, man, I, I will say this, you know, you and I, as much as anybody, and rightfully so, I'll say this to give ourselves some credit. We have given NASCAR, the next-gen car, a lot of crap. It's like, if you're going to be good here, be good here. Like, the short the short track package struggles. And, you know, they're going to my probably my favorite track on March 17th in Bristol. And I want to see a good race when they go there. Um, but – not to dwell on that. You got to give NASCAR some credit, man. Um, we said this last year after the summer Atlanta race. I, I know you remember this. I was going to say, I don't know if you do, but I know you do remember this. We said, if they can continue to wear down that pavement, this will be better than old Atlanta in the prime of its years. And man, if it hadn't right now. So we got to give Marcus, SMI, Dale Jr., iRacing for that matter, and NASCAR the props it deserves with what they – you know, the repave in general and, you know, having the guts to run a super speedway package car at a mile and a half track and going with that repave band, that created some of the best racing we've seen in this millennium. Not decade, not next-gen car, you know, in this millennium. So, um, again, we're always talking about what NASCAR is doing wrong. Let's talk about what they did right, and that was Atlanta. Got to give them props, man. Oh, no doubt. That track is unbelievable. And – it's going to be crazy going back there in the first week of the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I, I love what Christopher Bell said. I'll leave you with this. This is my, my, my absolute final thought. You know, 
he hates super speedway racing, even though he's kind of gotten pretty good at it, right? And I love what he said. He was like, we're more, more locked in now. Like, like we're more locked into what we're doing this week. We're more uh, attentive of what we're doing this week because we know this is now a playoff race. So I absolutely love that quote. Um, and I think that a lot of guys were in that same boat. And I am extremely excited now to have that be one of the 10 races that helped us find the champion. I am too. And one, and it's fun for the drivers. Even Kyle Larson said in his post-race interview, who has made it very open that he's not a fan of them style of tracks. He was having a blast until he just had his normal bad luck that he has in them kind of tracks. The, he just can't not catch a break, but he was having a blast. He did say he wouldn't want to do it every week, and I don't want it every week because that would take what Atlanta has become, the specialness of it away. Right. If you created that every week. But anyway, guys, it's been a good show. Uh, enjoy your race weekend coming up. Support your local short track if you have one. And we'll see y'all next week. Y'all have a good one. Don't modify your gloves. Yeah, don't do that. Later, guys. <laughs>